coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 through 5, and it reads as such, it says, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So this is Paul writing, um, this is referring to believers in Macedonia. And just as we read in the text, they didn't have a whole lot. But they didn't let their lack define what God could do. So I'm going to encourage you with this, is that no matter what you have, what little bit you think you have, right, let us give ourselves over to the Lord and trust the one who can do exceedingly abundantly that we can ask or think and see what he might can do. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you have the cattle on a thousand hills. You said that the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. So, Lord, it doesn't matter about... Uh, the amount, Lord. Lord, you see the heart, Lord. You just desire to see us give ourselves over to you to see what a big God can do in our lives. So, Jesus, help us, Lord, to give ourselves over to you that your kingdom might extend throughout the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple ways to give of your old school. You want to write a check and make it out to GCF. And when you exit, you can pass that to the ushers. You can also use the app. Or if you want to text give GCF to 73256 or use the QR code there as well, those are your options. Well, I'm excited this morning. There's a lot happening. Uh, we get to do this usually only about once a year. It usually works out where we get to recognize new members, those that have decided that they are calling GCF their church family, their church home. And I want to frame this moment before we, we jump into that and read a passage here that I think will help us. Coming out of Matthew 16, and it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. See, the church, right, is God's redemptive plan to bring healing to the earth. So when we're saved, right, we're not saved just merely as individuals. We're saved into the church. We're saved into a community of believers, right? As a part of the pillar and foundation of truth is what the scriptures say, is what the church is, right? That the truth of who Jesus is, the, the resurrected Savior, is communicated not just through us as individuals, but as a body. Amen? So it's from that place, right, that we recognize that we're not just called um, to do a solo Christianity. We're called to walk as a covenant of believers, right, in fellowship with one another. We're called to receive, right, the communion of the saints, right, to be able to be encouraged, to walk together. We're also called to walk in a way that's different from the world, right, so that when we do mess up, I mess up sometimes, right, so we don't act in the way that the world acts, right, we can go through the process of both repentance and forgiveness towards reconciliation, right, so there are many things that we're called to so as, as an example, our talents and gifts so that we can be used, right, not as spectators, right, but be used in God's redemptive plan here on the earth. That is the communion of the saints, the body of Christ. That's what we're called to. Amen. So for those of you uh, who have uh, made this decision to be a part of this particular local body, we are called to reach this city to change the world. Amen. Amen. And we believe that you are an integral part of that journey. So with that said, when I call your name, you'll stand, and then as we conclude, I'll pray for you. If you'll hold your applause until the end, that way you just don't do the golf clap as we go along, all right? Amen. All right, so with that said, we'll start with Quisha Andrews. I don't know if she's there. She is. Amen. So, and she has a child by the name of Lyndon Stancil. Next, we have Brandon and Brittany Bates. And their kids, McKenna and Gunner. Next, I'll just go by the screen here. Susan and Britt Dixon. And their kids, Camden, Reese, Zeke, and Cody. 
Next, we've got Morgan Estes, followed by the Green family. That's Chris, Janelle, Eli, Caden, Landon, and Nolan. Allie, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then next, we have Tommy and Valerie Hale. And I know these people really well. James and Janice Haskins Sr. <laughs> then Carrie Lawler, and then her daughter, Eliana. I hope I said that right, Carrie. Laura Odecki. Then next we have the Parker family, Brad and Rebecca, Eric Gray, Summer Parker, Eva Gray, Wyatt Parker, and Elijah Gray. So the church has added like seven folks just right there, right? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Next we have Danny and Erica Sanchez with Mia and Faith. Then we have Bonita Smith. And then finally, we have Jenny White. Can we give them a round of applause? All right, so if you are nearby, you can go ahead and be seated, but if you're nearby, if you want to just reach out your hands to them, I'm going to pray over them really quick, and then we'll invite Pastor Blake uh, to come up and bring the word of life. So, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Lord, for every single family, every single person, Lord, you have called to this house. Lord, you said, Jesus, you said you add to the church. And we're grateful, Lord, for the work of the Spirit, Lord, that you've called them here, not just uh, for them to be idle, not for them just uh, to be on the sidelines, Lord, but you've called for them, Lord, to use their talents and gifts to your glory, for them to receive communion and fellowship and love and all the things that come, Lord, as a called out assembly of believers. So we thank you for their lives, Lord, and we pray that you would use them to reach this city to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor James. Amen. Welcome, everyone. It's good to have some new members in our midst. It's good to be here on a Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. If you're new here, we participate. Amen. We don't spectate. We participate. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to be together this morning. We're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're marching through Mark chapter 10. And so last week, if you missed it, uh, Brother Devon did an amazing job. Y'all got to hear that word if you missed it last week. did an awesome job to hear that. But this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 30, I think it's 32 through 45. Um, and we're talking about Jesus on the way, and to, get, to kind of give us context, Jesus has left Galilee, which is in northern Israel, and he has come down, he's hit Samaria, been rejected by them, and so he took a hard left, went over the Jordan, went down south, and he's crossed the Jordan, and he's entering into the, the region of Judea, coming into Jerusalem, and so he's on the way. In fact, this passage, I believe, in, in the NIV says, um, and they were on their way. And so Jesus is on. How many of y'all have been on the way somewhere? How many of y'all are going to be on the way this weekend? Right? There's going to be some excitement, as you'll see in this passage, some fear. There's always, we go to the holidays, it can be exciting and scary all at the same time. And so we're going to do this together, amen? But maybe if we go with Jesus, we'll have a good time doing it, amen? All right, let's read. Mark chapter 10, 32 through 45. And they were on their way or on the road going down to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And this is a, a phrase that Mark uses from time to time. That the disciples are constantly amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying, see... We are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And, and the Son of Man was a phrase that Isaiah used to prophesy about the coming king. And they, were, and they will condemn him to deliver him, to condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him 
and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Notice the pivot here. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do, not, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they, were, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning hear you. Help us be better leaders as a result of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus on the way of leadership. Jesus on the way of leadership. I remember I was new to campus ministry, newly on staff at this church. I was actually in that room right there. I remember very vividly. And I was trying to mentor a college student. He was a couple years, my younger. I was talking to him. And I finally just said, Peter, you're a leader. And he looked at me and he said, Blake, no, I am not. <laughs> oh, and I was, dumb, I was dumbstruck. I didn't know how to respond to it. Now, I realize not everyone's supposed to be on stage. Not everyone is the call to be the leader of a, in a position. But it struck me that how could anyone who have met Jesus, who've been radically transformed by the gospel, who's seen what he's done to us, not want to lead, not want to do something to influence what's going on around them. That shocked me. It, it, it recalls a couple things to mind that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. I've never had salt and not known it was there, amen? I've never had salt and not been influenced by it. I've had food without salt and knew it wasn't there, amen? May all your food this weekend be salty, amen? <laughs> Except the pie, that's good. Oh, salty caramel drizzle, man. We can, we can throw salt in everything. But you are the salt of the earth, and, and there's influence there. You're, you're the light of the world. I've never seen light, and it not affect what's around me. And we, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, and that's why when we pray, and we've been on this theme all in 2022, unapologetically, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we think we're not a part of that. That God is just going to come and do something without you. But he's promised that's not the case. You're going to be a part of what he's doing. He's called all of us to lead in some way. Fathers and mothers, leading your home. Husbands, leading your wives. Children, leading at school. Leading in your teams. Leading in your classrooms. We are called to influence in some capacity. But the question is, how do we do it? And so Jesus helps us here, and he's on the way. Jesus is on the way of leadership. And so he's on the way, but he's also going to teach us how to lead his way. Amen? So the first thing I see when I read this passage is, is very simple. It may be even missed here, but it says, 
but I'm, I'm pulling out of here, walking with Jesus on the way of leadership means we have to be on the way. Have you all ever texted this to anyone? Do we have that up here? There it is. you ever text that? What does that mean? Does it, does it mean on the way? Now, when I text that, I mean 99% of the time. I mean, I'm en route. I'm in the car. The car is moving, and I am on the way. But I've been in campus ministry long enough to know. I've been a boss long enough to know that on the way can mean I have thought about going. And therefore, I am on the way. In my mind, I know, who's laughing? Who's done that? I have some, some people on our staff who say, on the way. And I, what I know that means is they have moved from the bed to the shower. They're all, in their mind, though, they're on the way. They're closer than they've ever been. On the, I'm on the way, Blake. Okay. Well, you only live five minutes away, and it's 25 minutes later when you showed up. So were you on the way? <laughs> and some of us live with this kind of deception because we think because we agree that Jesus might be the Son of God that we're on the way. That we think because, yeah, Jesus is special, that I assent to him, I might even be in this room on a semi-regular basis, that means I'm on the way, but that's not necessarily true. You can believe about God and not walk with God. And you might be, like the followers here, afraid. You might be afraid because what's happening is Jesus is on a busy road right on the precipice of a festival and there's lots of people walking and they're walking at the pace of Jesus. They're walking in proximity to Jesus. They're even on their way to a religious festival, but they're not with Jesus. And they're afraid. Fear is an interesting indicator for us. It's, it's a light on the dash, if you will. I have a light on my dash that I cannot stand. Somebody have this light? It's the, uh, your tire pressure light. Anybody have that light? All that means is it got below 45 degrees last night, right? The tire pressure went down. You get moving, at least in my car, it goes back up. And it goes off. And so not every light, just because you might be afraid today, doesn't mean something's wrong with you per se, but it could be an indication that maybe we're not with Jesus, at least not in faith with him, that he's going to, everything's going to be all right. And so some of us might be walking at the pace and in the crowd, but we might not be with Jesus this morning. So are you on the way with Jesus today? Jesus pulls his disciples aside here. If, if Jesus pulled aside, would you pull with him? If he said, hey, I got something to tell you, would you just keep moving? Because really we don't know his voice. We don't spend time with him. We might know that there's a group of people that are walking and they're associated with him, but we don't know him. And he doesn't know us. And so if we're going to lead with Jesus or if we're going to be on the way with Jesus in leadership, the question is, are you on the way with him this morning? The second thing uh, we see here about walking with Jesus on the way of leadership is that walking with Jesus on the way of leadership means leading by example. I love this. Jesus is walking in front of his disciples. He is saying, we're going. This is how we're going. I'm not going timidly. I'm not going waiting for the crowd to kind of encompass me because it's scary out there. I'm walking ahead of them. Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. Do what I'm doing. It's easy to speak. It's a whole lot harder to do. Amen? It's even easier to type. 
It's, even, it's probably easier to type than it is to speak, but it's even easier to do both of those things and not do. This is what is so remarkable about the way of Jesus is that he leads us by example. He's one of the few that God, God in the flesh that, that would lead into suffering, into his death by example. One of the core doctrines that we believe here in the, in the Gospels and in the New Testament and in the Bible is that God put on flesh and lived among us. What an amazing doctrine. We call this the incarnation, that God put on flesh, was born of a virgin. We're getting ready to celebrate that. And he lived the life we should have lived. That God just didn't tell us how to live. He modeled how to live. He put on our weakness. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but was without sin. How are you tempted today? Man, I have a litany of temptations, but everyone Christ was tempted. He knows what it feels like. He's felt our weakness. He's felt what it's like to be afraid. He's felt what it's like to be anxious. He's felt these things, yet without sin, he put his faith in his father and walked through it. But he led by example. He didn't just command us to be humble. He humbled himself. He didn't just command us to love our enemies. He loved us, his enemies. He didn't just command us to pray for those who persecuted us. On the cross, he prayed for them. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus modeled for us. That's why we love a Martin Luther who nailed the 95 Thesis on the door of Wittenberg. That's why we love an MLK, because he modeled civil disobedience. He lived it out. He just didn't talk about it. He lived it. That's why we revere him. That's why we love a Mother Teresa, because she didn't just talk about the poor. She lived among them. She led by example. There was an old legend about a revered monk in the mountains of Europe and other monks would kind of hear the reputation about him and they would get excited. His name was Brother Leo and Brother Leo lived in this monastery, kind of secluded up on a mountain and so monks would go on pilgrimage to visit him. And so there's a couple monks and they decided to go see him but on the way, um, monks do what all humans do, they bicker and complain. Amen? Anybody ever complained? Anybody ever complained yesterday? Anybody ever complained yesterday a lot? This is my personal confession time. I complained a lot yesterday. And so they begin to bicker and complain, infight. Who's going to do what chore? Who's going to start the fire? Who's going to collect the wood? Right? Who's going to wash the dishes? And they're on this pilgrimage and they're camping and they're going. And other monks are joining the group and beginning to add more labor and more bickering and infighting. And as they go, and then this one particular monk kind of is added to their, their, their caravan and he begins to uh, not complain. And he begins to do uh, the work that others don't want to do. And then when someone would complain about a chore, he'd do the chore. And then all of a sudden, the atmosphere in the caravan began to change. People began to work happily. They began to enjoy their time together. The caravan got exciting, and they got all the way up to the monastery. And they said, hey, we're here to see Brother Leo. And the guy at the, at the gate says, he's in your midst. He was the one who joined and set the tone for the atmosphere. See, he led, not by talking, I'm Brother Leo. He said, I will serve and I will do. And I will be what I want those around me to become. And it changed. Amen? And this is our loving Lord Jesus walking in front of his disciples, leading the way. He is among us, leading by example. Now, leading by example does not mean you get everything right all the time. You're not Jesus. God knows I'm not. My family's on the front row. I cannot stand up here and lie. I get all this right. I don't. Amen? But what I do understand is that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I also have to follow him in repentance. 
I also have to set an example in confession. That when I'm wrong, I admit when I'm wrong. That when I do evil, that I lay it before those around me and say, this was wrong. That's setting an example. That's living. It's not perfection. It's about progress. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. And so some of the greatest examples we could lead is not getting everything right, but being honest when we don't. Is that, is that, that revolutionary? That, to be honest when we don't get it right. Amen? Amen. Everyone in this room is wrong a lot. I know because I'm in here. And this is what's beautiful about the gospel is that we don't have to be, this is not about leading means I don't make mistakes. This means about leading is that when I know God has said something, I stand in bold righteousness and faith. And when I miss the mark, I'm honest about missing the mark because there is a mark that Jesus said was the mark. And that's what we're aiming for. I don't say, well, that's not the mark. It's over here. No, that is the mark and I've missed it. And as all of us strive to hit it together, amen? amen? We follow Jesus and we lead with him by leading by example. We are experts in criticism, are we not? But God is not calling us to be experts in criticism. Anybody can point out a fault or a mistake or what's not right. That's easy. In fact, Psalm 1 says, if you want to sit among the mockers, that you'll be blown away like the wind. Because here's what's powerful is that what you sow, so you shall reap. And if you're critical and you're a critical person and you criticize and you know what's wrong with everybody else, you don't think that same winds will not be blown on you? Because you're not Jesus. But they will. Walking with Jesus on the way of leadership means leading by example. Not just being critical and criticizing, but being a problem solver. Stepping into what's wrong and be the difference. Finally, we see in this passage that walking with Jesus on the way of leadership means leading to serve, not serving to lead. And I miss this as a young person. We would have big events in this room and campus ministry. 100 plus college students. We'd move all the chairs out of here. We'd bring in dance floors. We'd have a good time. Amen? Ain't nothing wrong with having a good time. Oh, it's quiet. Okay, maybe there is. Uh, let me just tell you, this is new. This is new for you. There's nothing wrong with having a good time, praise God. So we'd have a good time. We'd sing and we'd dance and we'd laugh and we'd have fun. But then, all these chairs got to go back up. And then most would leave and a few would stay and we'd have more good times and we set these chairs up. But there was always this thing in this verse, man, if I serve here, then I'll get to lead here. So, because I thought from this passage that if you serve, you get to lead. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, you don't serve to lead, you lead to serve. The reason I put people in leadership, the reason I'm asking you to lead is so that you'll serve those who you're leading. Now, does serving when you don't have a leadership position help you serve when you do? Absolutely. You'll be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. But the reason that you're in a leadership position, you're in a place of influence, is to serve those around you, not to be served. That's what Jesus says very clearly here. So walking with Jesus on the way of leadership means leading to serve, not serving to lead. Now, what does that mean? Well, from the passage, let's, let's look at what that means. For Jesus, that mean, means prioritizing the few over the, over the followers. Prioritizing the few over the followers because Jesus knew if he was going to have the greatest impact long term, he had to have the deepest impact with these few. That's why we so emphasize relationships and small groups and doing things together in tight-knit communities around the table. 
That's not something that's built overnight. That's not because you show up to a life group that things happen. But that is the beginning of digging deep and getting to know each other and sharing the table. And Jesus knew if you guys don't love each other, if you guys don't have deep relationship with each other, then we won't make the impact we're called to make. Amen? I didn't know I was bringing such deep revelation this morning. Jesus prioritized the few. He pulled them aside. He told them again. Now, what does that mean for us this morning? Well, this morning, that means that Jesus is concerned about you. He's concerned about you. He's not just concerned about the crowd. He's willing to pull aside. He's saying, look, I want to talk just to you. This is about to go down. In fact, this is the job description of the Holy Spirit. He will come to you. He will remind you of the things I've said, and he will reveal to you what is to come. God wants to speak to you. God wants to talk to you. We heard this morning that God wants to heal you. God wants to encounter you. And God cares about you, not just the the masses. He cares about you as an individual. The second thing we see that leadership, Jesus leading to serve means is is patient endurance. Did y'all know that Jesus right here communicates for the third time in three chapters that he's going to die and be raised again? And maybe even four if you count the transfiguration when he looks at his boys and he's like, when I rise again, you can talk about this, but until then, you be quiet. And they said, what does he mean by that? This is the third time and the most specific. They're going to arrest me. They're going to hand me over. They're going to beat me. He communed three times. See, patient endurance for Jesus meant being patient to communicate over and over until they got it. And even when they didn't get it, he didn't beat them up for it. Now, I need help on this. This is hard. I am not the most patient person in the world. You know what's awesome about this? It's how patient Jesus is right here. He's patient with you. Man, he might have told you 15,000 times the same thing. You know what he's telling you again? He hasn't said you're a lost cause. I've already said this. That's two times. Strike three, you're out. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going I'm to communicate to you over and over and over until you get it. I mean, that's good news to me because I need a patient God. I need a patient God. I don't get it right every time. Here's Jesus. He's patient with you. I mean, he just communicates. Yo, I'm about to die. They're going to beat me up real bad. And what follows? Hey, Jesus, can we sit beside you? I'm like, come on, guys. Now, there's some debate about this, and I think there's scholars kind of come to this conclusion that the disciples... Maybe 11 out of 12 of them were under the age of 20. That's maybe the only thing that I think The Chosen has gotten wrong so far. I love The Chosen, man. I love that document, that documentary, that series. But they all look grown. They all look my age, I think. I feel like they look my age. And so here they are. But this makes a lot more sense to me, doesn't it? Here's the teenager, right? Hey, look, I'm going to die. Yeah, can we sit beside you in your glory? They're going to beat me up. They're going to arrest me. Yeah, 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 but the seat. Can we get the seat beside you in your glory? Did you hear what I said? Uh Uh-huh. Right? And yet, here's Jesus. Patient endurance. Patient endurance. (laughs) He didn't rebuke them for asking for the seat. He didn't yell at them. You selfish Right? I might have been what I would have done. He's patient. He's patient with you. And you guys are missing this. Honestly, he's probably excited that they want to lead anything. Leadership is hard. It's easy to look at others leading and think, I could do that better, but do we know the weight of leadership? And here, Jesus, he's like, can you, can you drink the cup I'm drinking? Oh, we can. We love that wine. It's good. What about the baptism? Oh, yeah, we like baptisms too. They're awesome. It brings us to this final point here. Leading to serve means partaking with the cup 
instead of policing the seat. Partaking the cup instead of policing the seat. James and John were making a move for leadership. I kind of picture this as they've had this discussion before, right? Y'all have seen this kind of interplay between siblings maybe? Who's the greatest? It, it's me, obviously. Usually something like this. You know I'm the favorite of the parents, right? They love me more. No, they don't. They love me more. No, they love me more. And they have this argument, right? I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. He's the greatest. And they fight. And they don't come to a conclusion. And Jesus rebukes them, right? And so in these kind of fights, how do you, get, how do you win? Do y'all know how to win this fight? Y'all don't know? You ask mom and dad. Hey, who, who do you love the more? Who do you love the most? I told you. They didn't even answer. I told you it was me right? And this is John and James. They're running. They're policing the seat. Look, there's a lot of arguments going on. We know we're the best. Could you just give us the seat? So when we go back and have the argument, we'd be like, boom, got the seat, you know? So this is what they've done. And they've gone to Jesus. Hey, look, can we get the right and the left seat when we go into your glory? Now, what I love about this is when Matthew tells this story, their mom's there leading the way. Isn't that how masculine that is? Mommy is lobbying for your seat. But Mark must have known them. They're like, oh, let's just take mom out of the story. You know, like, it was James and John. But the same story, mom's lobbying, they're lobbying. They're trying to get the seat. They're trying to get this seat. But here is what Jesus said. You want my seat, you're going to be willing to take the cup. And the cup here is a picture of suffering. To lead is to suffer. That's what Jesus is saying. Can you, can you suffer? Leadership requires suffering. You cannot lead without suffering. If you, if you are leading without suffering, you're not leading in the way of Jesus. It's required. This is what he says. Isaiah 51, wake yourselves, wake yourselves, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. The cup symbolized wrath in the mind of these Jews. Can you drink the cup? Can you baptize with the baptism, Psalm 69, 69 2 and 15? I sink in the deep mire. Where there is no foothold, I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. They knew that baptism and what Jesus is prophesying here is that the wrath of God would swallow him up and the cup of his wrath he would drink to its dregs. He says, guys, can you lead like this? Oh yeah, we can lead like that. What does he say? You will. You will. This morning, you're valuable to God. This morning, you're valuable to God because he would take the cup for your sake. There's a cup of wrath that you and I deserve to drink. And Jesus would take it. There's a baptism that you and I deserve to be baptized in, the, the baptism of the wrath of God, and Jesus was baptized in your sake. We're going to be baptized this morning. There's a couple of us that are going to get baptized this morning. They're not going to be baptized into the wrath of God because Jesus was baptized in the wrath of God for their sake. They're getting baptized in water so that they can identify, it should have been me and it was you. And now here's my life. Old dying away, the new coming. This culmination of this passage ends in this verse. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. This word ransom at the time was a slave on the auction block. Not, not ransomed as in like, I'm holding someone ransom, as in you're, you're a slave, you're bound, and Jesus would pay the price he would take your place to set you free. That's where we get the word redemption from. On the Pacific front of World War II, a group of Scottish soldiers were captured. If, if you know your history, 
um, there were these Japanese war, war camps where POWs would go and horrible conditions. And they would work and put in um, railroads through Burma, Myanmar, Southeast Asia to kind of push forward their, their budding kingdom. And in these environments, the POWs would begin to kind of revert into their animalistic tendencies, fighting for their life, stealing, stabbing people in the back, whatever to survive. And there came a one day when they'd gone out to, to lay tracks and they were gathering the shovels that they found one of the shovels, the, the heads was missing. And so the officer, the guard pulls these Scottish soldiers, these, these POWs together and says, look, one of these shovel heads is missing. Who stole it? Or I'm going to kill you all. No one says anything. And he, he begins to uh, execute his mass execution. One of the Scottish soldiers steps forward. He said, it was me. I took it. And he, they, he didn't just shoot him. They beat him to death in front of the others. Set an example. When they get back to the camp, they counted the shovels again and they realized they were all there. No one had stolen the shovel. But this one man laid down his life for the others. That act of heroism, that act of selfless giving, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That act of love sparked something in the other men. They began to see each other as humans again. They begin to change the way they treated each other. They begin to change the atmosphere, giving each other hope. And it changed, and, many, and some of them survived. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for the many. Jesus Christ stepped forward and endured our execution. So that if we put faith in him, he changes us. It's a path. It's a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's a way. You walk in the way. And you walk with Jesus and he helps you. He changes you on the inside. He fills you with his spirit. And then he helps you walk a new way. Slowly peeling off selfishness and pride and immorality, and all the things that are destroying my life and yours. This is our great God, Jesus, not one from a distance saying change, walking in our footsteps and demonstrating what it's going to take to bring change in the earth. Christ dying for the ungodly, and now us being changed, living out the gospel in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the goodness of God. That when we follow you, we get to see an amazing God doing amazing things. That you didn't love us from a distance, but you loved us up close because we were valuable to you, because you desire relationship with us. You desire for us to be set free from our sin and our pride and our selfishness. And you wanted us to walk in that freedom and to know you in intimate relationship. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room and watching online, Lord, if they're not right with you today, that they would know the love and the passion of God. There's, there's no sin you can't forgive. There's no person you have not died for. And Lord, that you would meet them right where they are. And Father, for the rest of us who claim to know you, who have walked beside you and continue to do so, Lord, I pray that we would lead as you lead. We would leave with selfless sacrifice. Lord, that when we're wrong, we'll admit it, we'll repent, and we'll get up and walk a new way. Lord, that when we know we're in sin, that we would turn away from it and turn to you. 
And Lord, we look to our brothers and sisters of every race and ethnicity and people group and age group and we say, they're just like me in need of a Savior. That no sin is greater than any other sin. No way of life is too far the redemptive power of the gospel. And that you would help us love with the love that you've loved us. That this house would be a place where people come from all walks of life, all nations of the earth, would walk in this room and sense the love and the power of Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name that we might participate with you, King Jesus, in your redemptive plan to see every tribe, tongue, people, and nation come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. We're gonna baptize some folks this morning, amen. And then after that, we've got our flourish event for women in the back. So last, if y'all were here, last baptism, you noticed that we wanted to make sure that they felt the heat. So it was really hot last time. There's some technical difficulties. It's really cold this time. So we're just trying to keep it. You know, you, you never know. You never know when you get baptized here what you're going to get. But this morning, it'll, you, you'll remember this, amen? We want to make this as memorable as possible. So if you're getting baptized, you can come forward and, and sit on this front row. We're going to baptize these uh, three gentlemen, and then we're going to send them to the back to get prayed for. Amen. We've got three men, three young men. Praise God. Let's give them a hand this morning. Amen. Nathan, Nuquia, who goes by Nuke, and Samuel. All right, who wants to be first to brave the cold? All right, Nuke. Step on up, Nuke. follow him all the days of your life. Yes, well, by your own profession of faith, we now baptize you in the Father, Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Hold that nose for us. you guys extend your hand as we pray over this young man <clears throat> thank you father for the strength that you've given Nuke thank you Lord for the grace of God on his life Lord, we pray that this morning that you would seal this young man with the power of the Holy Spirit. That this would not just be a symbolic act, but an act of power on his life this morning. He won't just remember the water, but he'll remember a touch from you, Holy Spirit of God. So Lord, we pray right now that you would fill this man with your spirit. Mark him for purpose and destiny in the kingdom of God. 
that he will be salt and light in the earth. Even as we're praying, Nuke, I just see the wisdom of God being imparted to you. You're a wise man, even at a young age. Men are going to come to you. They're going to ask your opinions. You're going to find yourselves in conversations like, why are they asking me this? Because there's a mantling of wisdom on your life. There's strength and there's wisdom and they will mark you all the days of your life. You will be an influencer. You will be a man of leadership and influence. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you uh, for uh, calling him, Lord, for uh, the courage, Lord, uh, to, to say yes to you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for his life. Uh, I just want to affirm uh, the things that Pastor Blake said. I, as I was praying for you this morning, I just felt the same thing. There's this sense of uh, you're going to be able to attract people. There is a uh, there is a wisdom you have, a desire to um, uh, to do things from a business standpoint. But I think in that context, the Lord is going to use you for ministry as well. So don't be a, a, a fearful of, of what that might look like. You just trust the Lord and trust what He is saying to you and how He will use you to extend the kingdom even in a business context. Amen? Amen. All right. All right, Samuel. Come on, buddy. Samuel, have you put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? And are you prepared to follow him all the days of your life? All right, well, by your own profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. let's extend our hand towards Samuel and pray for him thank you King Jesus thank you King Jesus for this young man thank you for him Father thank you for your hand of, the hand of God is on him as your son Sam, just as we're praying for you right now, I just sense there's a, uh, a sensitivity that God is giving you. There's obviously a, a quietness about your personality and, and all of that, but there's a sensitivity to God that you pick up on things most people don't see, most people don't hear, and that's a gift He's given you. Uh, um, the Bible talks about gifts of the Spirit, and a couple of those are words of wisdom, and words of knowledge, it means God is speaking to you things that you wouldn't know unless God told you. And there's a, that's a gift or a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you're going to begin to see things and hear things in the Spirit, and you're not going to want to know. You're not going to know what to do with those things. But I'm here to tell you, you need to pray. When you hear those things and you see those things that no one else has seen, you need to pray. It might be about people who are going through a tough time. It might be about systems and, and how to orchestrate around leadership, things like that, that God has given you insight in. But you're to pray with that revelation. And as you are faithful with that revelation, those, those insights, God's going to give you more. That's why the Bible says that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you hear a little bit, I'm going to give you more. And so there's some hearing. And, and right now we just pray for your ears 
in your eyes? Did you see by the Spirit, Samuel? Not just the way the world sees, not just according to, to nature and, and, and your five senses, but you see and hear by the Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray right now that you would seal this by the Spirit, that he would have encounters with the Holy Spirit, knowing this is God. He trusts you with that. I just want, to, want you to hear that, that you're a son, Samuel, that God trusts with his insights. He trusts you. And so, Lord, I just seal that by the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Samuel, just really quickly, I just get the sense that like something has like changed. Like you're like starting like a generational line. Like the Lord is going to work through you, mm. um, through your like a, a line, a lineage of, of people in your family that's just going to come um, through you uh, in terms of faith and just uh, obedience and following Christ. I feel like there's just something just shifted mm. um, by your obedience and following Him. So, Lord, we just thank you, yeah. Lord, for uh, this young man uh, who, like uh, Samuel of the Old Testament, heard your voice at a young age. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that he would continue to seek your face, trust in your voice and your voice alone. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right. Last but not least, we have Nathan. Come on, bud. Deep breaths, deep breaths. It's good for you. Okay. Well, Nathan, have you put your uh, faith in Christ alone for your salvation? Absolutely. And are you prepared to follow him all the days of your life? Absolutely. By your own profession of faith, we do baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father, for Nathan Lord. Thank you for the hand of God on his life. Thank you for today, this, this public declaration of what he's already declared in his own soul among his friends, Lord. I just see even in this next season for you, Nathan, there's going to be a season of healing, not on the physical, but in, in your soul. There's some work that Jesus wants to do um, to prepare you for your next season of leadership, of impact into the world as a follower of Jesus. You are salt and light. You know that. That's not new to you, but there is some work that Jesus wants to do deep in your soul, some healing, some past hurts, some things maybe that you've brought with you um, that Jesus wants to unpack. He wants to take out. I think we're going to have even... Uh, victory weekend next semester. I think it would be important for you to be a part of that. Um, and just allow Jesus to heal because in that healing, Nathan, God is going to equip you to, to be a part of others' healing process. It's not just for you. And so, Lord, we just pray right now for the surgery that you're about to do in this young man. Not because something's wrong with him, but because you're equipping him and healing him for his next uh, phase, his next season. And so, Lord, we thank you for him. We thank you for bringing him to this house. We thank you for your love and your care to deal tenderly with him, Lord. In Jesus' name. 
yeah, the first word I got was warrior. Like, I think there's going to be just uh, a work the Lord does for you to contend for the faith, uh, to help bring others uh, into, uh, into the kingdom of God. Uh, that um, there's a, I think there's already a passion within you. Um, and I think he's just going to fan that into flame even more. Um, yeah, I think you're going to be very instrumental uh, in reaching people. How old are you again, Nathan? Yeah, you're going to be really instrumental, I think, in that age group um, to really bring other people. Um, I think God is going to even give you uh, here over the coming uh, weeks and months just very specific uh, people to try to reach out to and to connect with. So, Jesus, we thank you uh, for this warrior who you are shaping, you're fashioning, you're molding, Lord, uh, for the use uh, of your kingdom, Lord, and for your glory, Lord. And we thank you uh, for his life, Lord, which you seal uh, this moment, Lord, would you affirm him in every way as the son of yours in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome, man. Just follow your uh, to the back. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a hand. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Three young men shifted for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Our women have a lunch. Uh, if you're not prepared for that, no worries. They're ready for y'all. There's more than enough food. Uh, if you want to join them this morning, why don't you turn around and greet someone, tell them you're glad they're here, and we'll see you next week. Amen? Go ahead. Oh, and if uh, what Rich, uh, I'm sorry, what Divine mentioned this morning pertains to you and you want prayer for healing, we're going to be here to pray for that as well. Amen.